Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Another show, you're listening to Rayless Sports on the Voice America Network. I am now in Phoenix, living like it matters. We, of course, here at uh, Voice America, we've made the safe trip back home. We've, we're out of the cold, and, and the Super Bowl is over. And, and the reason why I say the Super Bowl is over like that is because I finally realized that after all these years of my life, uh, as it relates to sports, in particular to the Super Bowl, that the Super Bowl is, is, is such a climax. It is such a, uh, a high. I mean, it, it is such a, a, a climatic type of thing that once it happens and it's over with, it's like a glass shattered. And it's just, it's over. It falls, it's dropped, and there's nothing you can do to replace the emotional high that you have of a Super Bowl. I, there is so much, if energy could be captured and bottled up, there is so much energy energy at the Super Bowl. Nothing stops it. The weather was not going to stop the Super Bowl. Dallas was cold. There was snow. It melted. The, I think the energy from the people there melted it. And I was so happy to be there to participate in the festivities. You know, the Super Bowl, as we all know, is not just a game. It's become an event. And, and there are events along with the Super Bowl. There's all type of things going on. And, of course, we at here at uh, Voice America Sports were able to participate in a number of the events uh, starting on Friday night with the Player of the Year Awards. And uh, it was fantastic. Uh, many people showed up in attendance, uh, both young and old, many former players and current players. And it was, it was an exciting night. It was a very exciting night. Uh, a lot of celebrities attended. Uh, we, we, it was just a great time. And, of course, it was finished off. The weekend was finished off by a great football game. I mean, what more could you ask for? It was the most viewed sport. I think is the most viewed, you know, television program, if I'm correct, of all time. And the fact of the matter is you hope that the event is as good as the hype. And they always say don't believe the hype. But in this particular case, you had to believe it because, and as I said, I had the chance to uh, to speak with uh, Jan Stenerud, Hall of Famer, great kicker, uh, briefly. And uh, also, uh, when I was down there, I also spoke with Nick Lowry, and Nick was representing a company, uh, Revolution. And uh, the thing about it is I asked Nick, you know, did you think it would come down to a special teams play, you know, a kicker? And, and it did. I mean, Green Bay Packers, actually, at the end of that game, once they uh, decided, well, once the Steelers stopped them and they couldn't score in the fourth quarter, they had to kick the field goal. When they kicked that field goal, it now changed the strategy of the Pittsburgh Steelers because no longer could the Steelers just kick a field goal to tie it up. The Steelers had to score a touchdown in order for them to get back in the game, which would have tied it, and extra point would have won the game for them. So it did come down to the special teams, and it came down to the kicking game, and many times that happens in the National Football League. But there were many more storylines throughout the game. I was hoping that I'd have my man Kelvin Fisher with us today. I apologize, Fisher's not with us. Um, I got a new phone. And, and sometimes when you get these these new gadgets, as I call them, 
um, some things happened. I lost some of my contacts. Or let's say perhaps maybe I didn't transfer them all over correctly. But that's okay because my good friends at AT&T will make it happen for me. Uh, shout out to my friends from AT&T. You know who you are down there in Atlanta. Uh, but let me just go on a little bit and, and talk about a couple things. Aaron Rodgers, let's, let's give the man his props. Let's give him his props. It, it's taken him a few years, uh, but it took some other people a few years. And I, I'm not sure his predecessor, it took the same amount of time before he won his first Super Bowl. And um, it's, it's one that a lot of people will remember. It's his only one that he won. Aaron Rodgers won his first one. MVP, uh, record-setting day, over 300-plus yards. Uh, the man was just amazing. Uh, one thing that I've noticed about Aaron Rodgers, because I saw some clips of his college days, and I see the quarterback that it is he is today. And what I certainly will say is that out there in Denver, at The Ohio State University, Denver meaning the Denver Broncos, The Ohio State University, because they got a young man who may be in the NFL one day. But there was a quarterback coach somewhere that got together with Aaron Rodgers. And I want some of you, if you don't believe me, just look back at the history and look at, as he came out of the draft, look at the highlights they show of the way his delivery was and the way he threw the ball. Somebody corrected it. This man has a perfect delivery. His stature back there in the pocket, oh, per- perfection. His, his ball it's one of the sweetest footballs. It, it's a spiral all the time. All the time when he throws it. And the speed and the velocity of which he has on it and the accuracy, it's amazing. I mean, he is a truly talented quarterback. And he's consistent. There's, there's nothing about uh, you know that's inconsistent about what he does at all times. And I, I think when I look at this ball game and I see what the difference was and in, in who won and who lost – is Of course, Aaron Rodgers, as, as they continue to say, could have thrown for many more yards than he actually threw for because he had some drop passes. But on the other hand, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I like the coach. I like the way Mike steps up and Mike says, hey, we're not in the business of making excuses. You know, the fact of the matter is you got to give Green Bay Packers, you know, credit for what they did. It wasn't so much of what the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't do as what the Green Bay Packers did do. But I will say that just as the Green Bay Packers could have had more points, perhaps maybe, or certainly more yardage uh, in their final stats in the passing game because of the fact a few of his passes and he being Aaron Rodgers, his passes were dropped. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, I saw as I watched the game, I, I could see and I could tell there were some mental mistakes made on their behalf. And those mental mistakes just putting you in a position where a fraction of a second, if you'd have reacted the way you knew and trusted what you saw because you studied, then there's a, there could be some changes in the score, and perhaps maybe uh, it might be a different result. But all that ifa, coulda, shoulda, woulda doesn't mean anything when it's all said and done. The Green Bay Packers are the champions, world champions of the National Football League, and congratulations to them. Clay Matthews. Shout out to Clay Matthews, senior, an old teammate of mine back there with the Cleveland Browns doing the drive and the fumble. Of course, we didn't get it done. Clay now will be sporting the ring. I'm sure his son would like to give that to his dad after, you know, his dad tried so hard. Clay Matthews, when I see Clay Matthews Jr., of which I don't think he uses the junior, when I see Clay Matthews play for the Green Bay Packers at that outside linebacker position, plays football just like his father. You know, many times... NFL players don't recognize one another outside of our uniforms because we wear a uniform. And, of course, we wear a helmet. And I can tell you this. If you were to put Clay Matthews Sr., the way he played football for the Cleveland Browns, and you put him in that uniform for the Green Bay Packers, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a difference at all. It'd be the same thing. So his son is bringing it the same way his dad did. And, <laughs> you know, well, his, his uncle was on the other side of the ball, so he was preventing people from getting in and making sacks and tackles in the back in the backfield. But certainly, it's that gene, that bloodline of the Matthews. And uh, just a shout out to, to to Clay and Bruce. I know they're proud fathers and uncles, and even the grandfather, uh, proud of the way uh, Clay performed. And and he made a big play. He certainly made a big play. Was able to you know jar the ball loose in the backfield. Uh, and and helped uh, Green Bay get the ball and uh, 
And, you know, as a result of turnovers, it's turnovers that win ball games. I, I again, want another want to shout out again. Uh, Coach was on with us, and uh, Coach Hargrave said it. Listen, you know, turnovers. The team that protects the ball, you know, more than likely will win, and the team that does not protect the ball more than likely will lose. And uh, the Green Bay Packers took care of the ball. They didn't turn it over, but they created turnovers. And when you win the turnover battle, many times you win the football game. So, of course, everybody, you know, I think about 48 states out of the union was in favor of seeing the, the Green Bay Packers win the game. And I think some of that might have had to do with the fact that uh, the person on the other side of the ball leading that team was Ben Roethlisberger, and some people still are not comfortable with some of the stuff that happened with Ben off the football field. So, therefore, a lot of those people, you know, was they were against him. Uh, but the man, I can't say he, he paid the price because uh, he wasn't really charged with anything. But as far as Commissioner... Uh, Goodell was concerned. Shout out to the commission. We saw him down there in uh, in Dallas uh, at the Players Hotel and stopped and took a picture with him. And you know, I congratulated him on at least making an effort to try to get the job done. And I think they're gonna they're gonna come up with a collective bargaining agreement. But um, you know, uh, Big Ben, you know, the commission put his hand down and and Ben missed some games, uh, and and the Steelers. Uh, you know, we're still able to make it without Ben. You know, pretty much like the, the Green Bay Packers did. We, again, you've heard the story, 17 players on IR, but still getting it done. You know, two of their leaders, even in a game. Yeah, when, I, when I saw Woodson go down, I knew I've suffered from not a broken collarbone, but dislocated shoulder and all that stuff. And when those things happen, I just knew it. And, and it's one of those things, even when he was on the sidelines, and we all saw him grimace when, when he was just trying to support his team. Now, speaking of that, I'm just going to regress a little bit. See, what he did and what he was trying to do, and I'm okay with Jay Cutler, but I think that's what people were looking for in the NFC Championship game when Jay Cutler went down, was they wanted to see some emotion. They wanted to see him cheer on his team, and they wanted to maybe see him grimace a little bit to know that there was some, he had some pain. But Woodson, we saw that. And so we knew that he was hurt. We saw him come out again. We knew he was hurt. But that's just what, in case anybody has it kind of mixed up a little bit, they don't understand what people are looking for from players once you get hurt. They want you to stay in the game. They want you to support your team. They want you to be emotionally involved. You can't play, but get emotionally involved. And and that's what Woodson did. And, of course, uh, uh, that's a Michigan man. <laughs> So uh, I find it hard to cheer for him, but uh, but that's okay. I'm I'm going to uh, give him his respect uh, because he certainly showed his leadership as he stood there on the sideline to root his team on. And uh, the, you know, the Green Bay Packers. I mean, listen, they were deep. They they were deep, and I'll, I'll tell you this: that's a team that studies because that was a team that's prepared. Anytime you're telling me that you get uh, that's a third of your roster. That goes down, and you got to replace them with new people, not in just one game, but throughout the season. And you get people to step up, and then you win the Super Bowl. You're spending some time in the playbook. You're spending some time watching film. You're prepared at all aspects of the game offense, defense, special teams. You know, there's some cohesiveness there of which only happens. That chemistry only happens when you're spending time together in all aspects of the game because then you learn to trust one another too. And that means when you drop a pass, a quarterback will come back to you. Listen, I'm not going to drop a pass, but I do hear some music in my ear, so I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to come back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm back in Phoenix living like it matters. And we're going to take a break. And later on, I'm going to have a good friend with me, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Yeah, Dr. Bruce is going to come with We're going to talk a little bit about some concussions. Major problem at every level of football. So be sure to come back. We'll take this break. Anticipation for precipitation stack chips with a rainy day. JJ Rain is back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You already get the general sports headlines and discussion on TV and radio. Tune in to The Blueprint with Randall Gatewood. Yeah, we'll cover all the general big-name stuff, too, but we go beyond the typical sports radio show to bring you the details you don't get anywhere else. We'll talk about the inspirational stories and the little-known successes. If you want creativity, The Blueprint is the place to be. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, we're back. You're listening to Real Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And listen, let me give a shout out. I need to give a shout out and by name and, and, and by company recognition and everything. I, I want to give a shout out to Guy Troop and Troop 21, Guy who is uh, working uh, very closely now with George Martin. And shout out to George Martin and Ron George at the NFL alumni uh, for, for their um, vision to see uh, the, the connection and, and, and the benefits of working with a gentleman like Guy Troop, who has been working with uh, retired players and current players uh, with his event that he has called the Player Network event, which celebrated its 11th year anniversary at the Super Bowl. And in particular, what I'm so excited about is this is a man who has uh, spent these last 11 years, and even prior to that, was uh, part of the player development program at, at, the, at the league office. And he specifically is focused on helping players with their transition from the game. Now, many of you might think that, why do you need to help a, a millionaire? You know, what, what help does a millionaire need? Well, let me just say this. You know, nowadays, the majority, I'm not going to say the majority, but let's say maybe 40% of the league might be millionaires. But the rest of the guys, you know, they're not multimillionaires. Uh, they make a decent living. But they've made a decent living at playing football. Those of you out there who listen, who are part of corporate America, uh, who have a career, understand it took you some time to hone your skills. And, and you weren't the professional that you are in your first year. But it may have taken you three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years to develop your skill set. And then you became the seasoned professional you are. You are. And you, you continue to be throughout your career until you retire. Well, in football, you only get three and a half years, the majority of people. The average is three and a half years. So just as you and the profession may just be getting comfortable in your current job situation, in football, when you get comfortable, it's over. And then you've got to start over. And then you find yourself like me and a young man. Shout out to Lamar Campbell. Uh, Lamar, of course, who came down to the Player Network event. Lamar, a young man out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who grew up admiring the play of Andre Waters, one of my best friends in life. God bless his soul. Uh, Lamar, you know, shared with the audience about what it might be like to walk in front of uh, a person in HR at some corporation uh, with them assuming that you made about a half a million dollars a year uh, for the last three years. So why would you want to take a starting salary of $45,000 or $50,000. And that's because that's where you're starting. That's not where you want to finish. You want to finish at the half a million or more if you possibly can. But you certainly want to have something to supplement because if nothing comes in and everything keeps going out, you're going to find yourself in a different kind of line. So I appreciate the fact that Guy Troop has taken the time 
to to bring together in a for a career fair for professional athletes, particularly football players uh, that are currently playing and those that are retired and perhaps maybe displaced and looking for other opportunities. Those who also have their own businesses get a chance. But some of those corporations that came in, just want to shout out to, of course, uh, uh, Boston uh, Pizza was there. And Boston got some good pizzas. If you have, They got some here in the Phoenix area, so you should check that out. Shout out to PepsiCo. They came out and gave, did a good job with us as well. Bank of America was there. Um, uh, Budweiser uh, was there. And I just want to shout out to a young man. I'm going to give you a call, Reggie Howard. Reggie's doing some good things with some players and helping them with their foundations at United Athletes Foundation. So um, now let me get back to a little bit of football, if I will. But, again, that what I just talked about is also football because, you know, players have lives like everybody else. And I believe that was a part of a statement that was made by Coach Tomlinson. Tomlin, when he mentioned about Ben's off-the-field activities at the Super Bowl, these men have lives. They live lives like the average person. Um, and many times we find ourselves back in corporate America, hopefully well in corporate America, and living a life just like everybody else, like I do here at Voice America. And I certainly appreciate the rest of my coworkers here. So let me let me talk a little bit about football. Let, let me give a shout-out to Coach Mike McCarthy. I mean, he deserves... You know, a special kind of recognition. Uh, this this is this is a person who you know they trusted in Aaron Rodgers. They felt that they had something special. They knew that they had a Hall of Fame quarterback on their staff years ago when they drafted him. But they knew that it all ends at some point in time, and and you've got to prepare for that. If you don't prepare for it, it's like anything else. If it happens and it catches you off guard, you're not going to be prepared. And therefore, many times the results won't be as good as those results would have been if you would have prepared ahead of time. So Aaron Rodgers got a, you know, a few years to sit back and watch Brett Favre, to learn the football game, to study the football game. And sometimes I, I do believe that you can put a young quarterback in early and let him learn on the job. But if you don't have to, if you have the luxury of letting him learn from a seasoned veteran a la San Francisco 49ers where you had Joe Montana and Steve Young and you saw what that result was. That result is two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Could we be seeing the same thing happening here? Is it possible that Mike McCarthy, you know, took a look at the San Francisco 49ers and said, hey, you know what? That's not a bad idea. I kind of like the way that works. Now, it wasn't a real popular thing when the San Francisco 49ers decided to ship off Joe Montana. And even to this day, it's still not a popular thing with a lot of people. But there comes a point in time where you have to, when, the, when the young buck is ready, you got to put him in the game. And I know some people think it might have been a little premature to put Aaron Rodgers into the lineup when you did. You know, and when when Brett decided he was going to retire and then, you, you you know, you turn the keys, you handed the keys off to Aaron. And, and the next thing you know, mm, a little hiccup here and there. And you start questioning if you did the right thing. But but they did the right thing. He did what you thought he could do for your team. He delivered you a Super Bowl. And so Coach McCarthy, Mike. Hey, everybody wants to be like Mike. Everybody wants to win a Super Bowl like Mike. So that that's just a great, you know, a great job up there. Um, they just, yeah, they played a, a good, very good ball game. I, I'll tell you what surprised me and a lot of people this year is I, I think the Green Bay Packers defense was just a little underestimated in terms of how good they were and how good they are. Uh, let, let's see, let's see the Green Bay Packers. With the exception, I don't know, I'm going to say this. There are no exceptions. I think the Green Bay Packers, ha- they have a young enough team that could they be a dynasty? Could we be? Is there, tell me who in the NFC, who in the NFC next year would you pick to win the NFC and, instead of the Green Bay Packers? That'd be interesting. You, you, yeah, you know, the Bears were there. The Falcons were there. You know, the Eagles were there. There's a couple people that were right there, but they but they didn't win. And and or is, or is this team going to be like, let's let's say the Chicago Bears of 1985? Shout out to Dave Dorson. I I don't think so. 
I think this is a team will make a couple extra runs deep into the playoff and perhaps maybe even win another Super Bowl. They've, they've got to make up. And remember now, they're, they're number one running back, not the number one running back in this postseason. But Ryan Grant, hopefully he'll recover and, and he'll be back next year. And, and they'll have a, strong, a stronger running game than they had this year. Certainly, I like that defense. I don't think Clay Matthews is going anywhere for a long time. The big fella clogging up the middle, he ain't going anywhere. Shake and bake. No, he ain't going nowhere. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens as we look at the Green Bay Packers and, and, and what happens with the team. Uh, you know, of course, we, 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 got the, uh, we got the elephant in the room. So in terms of, you know, if they'll lose anybody during free agency, hey, that's – hey. Like I said, we saw the commission when we were down there, and, and he's, got, he's got something he's got to get settled. So this whole free agency thing may go away, may not even happen. If there's no collective bargain agreement, you know, if, if there's no agreement, then there can't be free agency. And if there is agreement, uh, yeah, hey, then more power to you. Then maybe they can keep this team together. But, but I wonder if, you know, Green Bay being a different type of team, you know, it's, it's – it's owned by its fan base there and, and other people. By the way, I, I, I asked a couple of questions. I think you can get a share of stock. It may, go on, it may have gone up. Somebody check that out for me. Let me know if it's going up. By the way, if you'd like to call in and, and chat with me a bit, you can. 888-346-9144. Toll-free number. Again, that's 888-346-9144. But I think a share of stock costs about $100. And you can own a piece of the Green Bay Packers. And, and then you can have a say-so. And perhaps maybe you can tell them what you like for them to do as they sit down and talk with the commission about free agency because you want to keep your team together. And I, I think if this Green Bay ta- Packer team is able to stay together, they possibly could win another Super Bowl or two. But uh, it's going to be interesting because that elephant in the room, the CBA, the collective bargain agreement, uh, it has to be addressed. It has to be settled. Now, it's my understanding that there's going to be a draft regardless. That's why I wanted my man Fish here to talk to me because Fish said they were going about business as usual. So there's going to be a combine, again, in Indianapolis. I'm assuming that I'll be able to tell you exactly when that will be here coming up. But uh, the the combine will will be uh, go about its normal course, and you'll see guys from all over the country. Uh, I guess it's, I hate to call it a meat market, but I can't think of anything else but to say. They'll go to the meat market and, you know, of course, they'll strip them down and and put them under the bench and have them run the 40 and have them, uh, you know, jump, run, kick, do whatever they throw, catch as fast and as best as you can to perhaps maybe move you up that draft board. But if it if that CBA doesn't get done, if the commissioner doesn't get that done, along with DeMore Smith, D. Smith, if those two men don't get that done, there's going to be a lot of problems. Come on, you're enjoying the, the greatest success that your game has ever enjoyed. The largest viewership in history of any program just happened this past weekend. And I'm not saying the attendance, because I don't know if they broke that attendance record or not. I know they broke some people's heart. And by the way, let me just say this. There was a young kid who wanted to bring a football into the game that he had gotten signed by many players, former, current Hall of Famers, and he was bringing it into the the stadium to go to the game. And they wouldn't let him take that football in. They made him take that football. They said they were going to hold it for him. They threw the football in the trash. This is a little kid who was he's probably a seventh grader. This is a lifetime supporter. you got to get something fixed on that. You can't make little kids throw away their lifetime dreams in the trash because they can't take a football that they've been getting autographed throughout their whole Super Bowl experience into the game so they can get some more autographs on that football. So I'm going to talk to the commissioner about that i'm going to talk to the alumni about that but that young man's part of his experience was taken away from him 
because the security would not let him take his football that he had spent all weekend getting signed, autographed signed, and was hoping to get some of the Super Bowl champions to sign it. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to help him get an answer. When I come back, I believe my friend might be on with me. Dr. Bruce Grossinger might be on the phone with me, and we're going to talk about some special things that we got to get accomplished, too, and that's uh, addressing these concussions in the National Football League. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm back in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'll take this break, and I'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Get ready for a show that's going to take it to the next level of sports talk. Get ready for Sean Salisbury, unfiltered. He's got 12 years of broadcast experience as an analyst for ESPN Sports Center and NFL Live. And he has 10 years experience as a player with the Seahawks, Colts, Vikings, and Chargers, as well as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL. You'll hear the truth and not the sidelines. Sean Salisbury, unfiltered. Is not for the faint of heart. Tune in every weekday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. CoastToCoastMixtapes.com. Like that music, see that, that sound like that's the kind of beat that if I if I could play something, that, that's the kind of beat I would play. You know, get me fired up like I want to play some ball. But you know, when I get fired up, sometimes you get fired up. You, you play ball, you play it real hard, and when you play it real hard, sometimes some real bad things can happen. And I'm concerned about those real bad things that are happening. And that's why I, I wanted to take the time out today to, of course, uh, you know, speak with a, a friend that I just met. Yeah, because it's somebody who's really, you know, spending his lifelong work uh, to try to help people who find themselves in a position whereas they're not always doing real well. This this is a very violent game that we play, and there are health issues, uh, you know, that are surrounding this game that are, that are part of that elephant in the room as it relates to the collective bargain agreement because retired players – there's, there's something that we want to know, and we want to know, what about us? You know, what, what are you doing about us? There's some issues that we're faced with, and, and we want you to be sure to address those issues. And so uh, as it relates to how those issues are revealed, I'm going to bring on a friend that I've met down at the Player Network event, and that, of course, is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Doc, you there? Yes, how are you doing today, Ray? I'm doing wonderful. Listen, I want to thank you for taking your time out of your schedule there. And I, if we interrupted uh, any of the uh, any appointments you might have had, I, I want to apologize to those patients. But uh, I want uh, to take the time out to have you speak to our listening audience out there and just, just share you know, some of the things that you're doing in your work and, and how you're working with uh, you know, National Football League players and hopefully that the, uh, the, the, the league management and, and the players associates and the alumni, too, will embrace uh, some of the things you, you've been doing in the past. But tell us a little bit about uh, the work that you do, Doc. Certainly. Well, firstly, I'll introduce myself as a neurologist. I've been in clinical practice 
treating head and neck injuries for approximately 20 years. I did my training in New York at New York Medical College, and since that time, I opened up uh, a practice of neurology here in Philadelphia, and I've treated many high school athletes, college athletes, and professional athletes. I have uh, coordinated my activities with the National High School Coaches Association, and I'm the director of the sports concussion program. You and I were collaborating and talking about how in the last year there's an explosion of knowledge with respect to the effects of concussions in football, and some of our retired players uh, who have had very unfortunate outcomes, and certainly one of your dear friends, the late, great Andre Waters, was one who came to mind. Oh, yes. He was the brain. The, his mother consented to have Chris Nowinski from Boston University actually sectioned and study his brain, and they found a very surprising pattern of CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and that led to a severe depression, loss of memory, and eventually the untimely suicide of your dear friend. This was regrettably paralleled with Chris Henry. We all know he was a very young-appearing, healthy uh, wide receiver for the Bengals, and he displayed erratic behavior that led to his death. Mike Webster, another uh, unfortunate, uh, a very excellent setter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. When he died at a young age of 51, they sectioned his brain. So what we've learned as neurologists is that cumulative hits, even without a full-blown concussion, have culminated in patients who have developed signs of Alzheimer's, severe depression, and most recently here at my Philadelphia Eagles, a very tragic story of Kevin Turner, former fullback, who has a form of Lou Gehrig's disease, which is thought to be related to multiple hits to his head and concussions, so now we see really two subtypes, an Alzheimer's dementia and also an ALS, which really is an anterior horde cell spinal cord problem with the brain and, and neck. And these are the cases that I'm treating every day. And I know, Ray, that you're, you're very interested in, in bringing this to light, not only for professional athletes, but also for the high school kids who are out there to make sure they have proper helmets, they have proper medical personnel, and most importantly, that they load proper tech, tackling techniques. I know when you, when you played in the 80s, I don't think there was much awareness about concussion. No, there wasn't, Doc. As, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I know that I can go back to high school myself, and, and I remember times. As a matter of fact, there's a, a player uh, that I played against uh, you know, in high school, and his name was Doug Marsh, and Doug and I played against each other. I was at Canton, Ohio, and Canton McKinley, and he was up at Akron. I think it was at uh, one of those Akron schools up there. It may have been Akron Garfield or, or Akron North or some of that nature. And I, I remember Doug was a big tight end, and I remember I came up one time, and on my head, you know, I hit him on his knee, and, of course, he flipped over and things of that nature, but I was left on the field knocked out. Uh, of course, I recovered, uh, you know, didn't go back in the game. It was a scrimmage game. But I'm I'm actually aware of different circumstances, and I, I don't want to go into my specific case. But I've I've seen you know players that have been uh, received concussions. They've been knocked out. They've been put back into football games, uh, and I'm not real happy about that. If, and in any other sport, it, and and boxing, you, of course, you know if you get knocked out, the fight's over. At basketball, if a guy falls down and hits his head uh, on the court, he's probably done. You know. For the game, uh, we saw a, 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 an example just when uh, the Celtics had a basketball game the other night, uh, and they were playing against somebody. And I think uh, one of the players hurt their neck. So, so Doc, when you when you talk about uh, these neck and head injuries, and and you talk about an accumulative of these injuries happening, and I heard you say the younger generation, what is it that we can do in terms of technique? I, I just think it's going to be hard. I know they talk about tackling with your shoulder, but when a fullback goes through the hole, Doc, and he's, he's, a, he's approaching a linebacker, he's taught to stick his head in that linebacker's chest. I know the technique is to keep your face up, but still, he's using his head, and if his face is right in the numbers, his neck is absorbing some of that, that trauma. So what do we do? Is there anything we can do? Can you strengthen the neck? Because I, my career ended with a neck injury. What are some of the things you can do to prevent neck injuries? Um, and we'll get to the head injuries a little bit later. 
Sure. And I'll also reference um, my, my own field. I, I'm not a football player, but I played ice hockey in high school, and I played for Lehigh University, which you're familiar, that's the Eagles training facility. Oh, yeah, very familiar. And, and I played in, in men's hockey leading up to 19, uh, uh, 1990, and at that time I was playing with the Flyers alumni team against the New York Rangers alumni team, and I was in a multi-day tournament against the Rangers. A lot of guys, Brad Park, Roger Baird, we had guys. And the reason I bring this up is that we're taught to not flex the neck down when we're taking a hit. And it, so there's really issues. And what happened to me, I was checked into the boards, and my neck flexed down. It was a reflex. Mm. And I actually broke my neck, and I suffered a, a, a neck injury with, with a neck fracture. And I was very lucky. I, I was disabled for a while. Many of my patients, empathize, you know, I empathize with them because they know I'm an athlete, and I've and we're talking about neck injury. So the reason they teach you to keep your neck up is when your neck flexes down and you take a hit, that's when, you have, that's when you could fracture your neck or have spinal cord injuries. And certainly that is um, – so actually uh, keeping the head up is, is a good thing with respect to neck injuries. And with respect to, to helmets and shoulder pads, uh, when I played, I, I, I was wearing a cage, a face mask, and shoulder pads. That's what pr protected me from a spinal cord injury. I had a neck fracture. But clearly, um, there's actually a gentleman, his name is Bobby Jose, it's H-O-S-E-A, who actually runs one of the best tackling centers in California. And he has trading videos, and the National High School Coaches Association are trying to we're, we're making videos with a guy named Sandy Grossman, who you'll recall, he was a director for CBS and Fox Sports for 20 years. Sandy's part of our team, and what he's trying to do is to disseminate these videos all across the country, the high schools, and also to bring, bring Bobby in, bring, bring athletes in to meet Bobby, because as far as tackling and preventing head and neck injuries, there are techniques, and, and he's a, more or less a scientist who helps to teach players how to tackle properly. One thing that's really important to mention, Ray, that's really not recognized, is that 75% of these head and neck injuries occur during football practice. And the reason is, statistically, there's more time on the practice field than there is in the game. And if we look at the number of concussions, 3.8 million per year across the board. So we're dealing with a very large problem when it comes to volume of head injuries. Yeah, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, that, that I, and I know I'm not mistaken, that's part of the reason why, uh, at least at the highest level, they're trying to back off in terms of the physical contact in practice. And I'll say this, even if you look at practice in the National Football League nowadays, they don't always go out with the equipment. And I want to suggest this. I know this from my personal experience. You can look back at some pictures of me. And back in the day, you know, I played. I wore nice-sized shoulder pads. I, I too, wore a nice helmet with, with, the, with the cage on it. And I wore neck brace. I wore elbow pads. And I'm telling you, the more equipment I had on, uh, that gave me the confidence that I could just hit anything and anybody, regardless of how big and, and, and how strong they were. My equipment, I thought, protected me and prevented me from getting injured. I say that because now I want to talk a little bit about the head injuries. It, you know, we talk about the tackling technique, but the head injuries. I think, and I'm not sure, and I think there's a congressman out there that wants to challenge the manufacturers of the helmets. Have the helmets been compromised? Have your studies, I know you're studying the brain itself, but I'm sure there has to be some information that comes together where you put all the information together and then you go and you present your case. But what are you finding out about these helmets that they're using? Doc, we got about a minute and then we're going to take a break. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead, we're going to take this break and then we'll come back so we won't be interrupted. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. I got my new friend now, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, a good friend for all those that play this sport. You should really listen to this show. He's got some great information. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Shot. Got it! With two 
school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports every monday tune in after the weekend games for locker room views with arturo freeman it's a sports show that'll keep you talking we'll go inside the minds and lives of world-class athletes and hear about their views opinions and life experiences about the world of sports your host former nfl great arturo freeman will present an action-packed hour every single week arturo freeman locker room views is live every monday at 9 a.m pacific time 12 noon eastern time on the voice america sports channel Get the inside scoop on the Georgia Bulldogs. Tune in to Keelan Johnson on College Football Game Day on the radio and every day on KeelanJohnson.com. On Keelan's Keeping It Real Radio, you can talk to Keelan and his former teammates about the Bulldogs, college football, and all things sports. Keelan's the go-to analyst for Bulldog football on pre- and post-game television on KeelanJohnson.com. And now, every week on the Voice America Sports Channel, tune in every college game day for Keelan Johnson, Keeping It Real Radio, Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. We're back. You're listening to Real Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And, uh, of course, before we went to break there, I was talking to my good friend, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and we, we started to talk about a couple of things. Let me just, before we get back to that again, of course, so those of you out there who don't know, because for some reason or another, maybe you slept the entire weekend, there was a great football game on. And, of course, now we have a new world champion, and that new world champion is... Uh, the, the the team that uh, the trophy belongs in their in their hometown. It, it's called Title Town for a reason, and that is the Green Bay Packers. And of course, I think they won the first two, and now, of course, they won two after that. So they've they've got about four, but the Steelers still have about six. They were searching for seven, and 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 my good friend Kelvin Fisher has already told me. He continues to tell me they don't rebuild, they reload. So the Steelers will be back next year, and perhaps the Green Bay Packers might also. Uh, be back in contention for another Super Bowl game. So here's what uh, I want to say and I want to continue to talk about is is what about us? I'm one of those uh, retired players and, and I'm often concerned about what's going on and what's happening and and if we're in need of anything as it relates to, to health issues, that we get it. And some of it is awareness. And so you become a retired. If you ever play football, at some point in time, you'll find yourself in my fraternity of retired players. And, and when you get there, you're probably going to have some health issues. And those health issues probably were an accumulation of blows to the head. So before we went to break, Doc, I was asking some questions as it related to if perhaps maybe some helmets have been compromised. I'm not saying the league, I'm not making any accusations, but the National Football League deals with a lot of sponsorships. And and many times the sponsorships come in from the highest bidder and not necessarily the best product. Now, I don't know because I'm saying, is Pepsi better than Coke? I don't know that, okay? That's just, you know, a beverage that you drink, uh, you know, is, is one product better than the other. But when it comes to helmets, I don't think that you should that should be a part of a bidding process. It should be the best helmet that's out there. I want your perspective, if you can, when you evaluate these, in this case, it's sometimes brains, uh, you know, from a neurological perspective and the, the, the accumulation of blows, if they had a better helmet, would that help? Or, or because somebody has already, and I think it's a congressman, has said, listen, we need to take a look at the helmet manufacturers to find out if they have a part in what's happening to these young men. Well, that's a very interesting point. And what we have to do is we have to look at the history of the football helmet. Obviously, back in the day, we had leather helmets. We knew that that was That wasn't our day, Doc. Me and you, we didn't play with helmets. Let's make that. <laughs> we didn't have leather helmets. Not we leather. Like start there. We'd like to start the discussion, you know, prehistorically. But the leather helmets, essentially, when the hard helmets came through and the current helmets, it's important to look how did they select the helmet and how was the helmet designed. Well, you'll be interested to learn 
that these helmets were designed, when they studied this experimentally, they were looking to prevent skull fractures. They were just finding the helmets that would be least likely to have the bones in the skull break. However, there was no research done at the time as far as this particular helmet reducing or eliminating brain injuries. And so it's a little shocking that, 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 that this current helmet, number one, it, it is a, it's a large helmet. It has considerable mass. But it's dealing with the National Football League. There, there's, a, there's a group of doctors affiliated with the league who actually have put out a position that they don't believe that cumulative hits or concussions are associated with chronic long-term effects. And so, again, you have one camp of doctors who you might say are aligned with the league who basically see no evil, hear no evil, and those people want to maintain the status quo, not only with respect to the helmets, but with respect to the rules. And, and now, over the last year, Roger Goodell, to his credit, particularly in the face of, of articles written by Alan Schwartz of the New York Times, they, they really opened it up to at least listening to different doctors and researchers. Right now, as we speak, there's a diversity of different manufacturers out there and also uh, different pieces of equipment. When I was at the uh, Super Bowl, I, I spent some time with Jim Mora Jr., who you know, yes. and he's a wonderful guy. He actually is affiliated with a mouthpiece, and this mouthpiece actually measures the force of hits, G-forces, not only in concussions, but throughout the game. And this is a, uh, it's not an expensive uh, piece of equipment. We're thinking that just like when, I'm, when I work in a radiation field, I have a little tag. It, it actually measures the cumulative amount of radioactivity I get. If I get a certain point that I stop and I, and I, and I, don't, <laughs> I don't continue with fluoroscopy. Likewise, this bite plate may hold an important part of the future so that there's a certain amount to quantitate the amount of G-forces, you know, with the, which the brain is subject to, and actually keeping track of that as opposed to concussions, which means the person is fully knocked out. So, number one, there's talk about different materials with the helmets, the, the inner parts of the helmets. Also, we're talking about measuring forces using a remote uh, bite plate sensor. And uh, so there's a, there's a lot going on right now. I, I, I can't say there's one that's been identified as the best, because really we have to do the research. It takes time. And, and this whole issue, in some ways, particularly the openness of, of, of the NFL and the high school coaches to actually listen to us, is, is a relatively new thing over really about it just over a year. Hey, Doc, let me ask you something now. There's one. There's a couple different ways when a person is tackled, how that person might find its way to the surface. That being the field. Now, if you make a if you make head to head contact, that that's one impact. Now, let's say if somebody you know kind of flips you over and you fall and you hit the back of your head, is is the is the comp the contact to the ground. Is it more and, and, and far more dangerous than the contact man-to-man hitting each other? Because man-to-man, there's so much force, and I think that could be measured. And then the force at which one falls from the ground because his feet were cut from up under him and the back of his brain hits. Okay, which is worse, and are they both real bad for people? I mean, you would think they would be, but I want to hear from a professional. Yes, I would say that in general, generally speaking, the helmet-to-helmet, contact because uh, essentially there is mass and acceleration. Because you're dealing with athletes that are bigger, stronger, and faster, and we're dealing with a helmet that is very hard and which has a substantial weight, and, and, and typically the force vectors is they're coming right at each other. So the fact that you have two force vectors coming and opposing each other would be generally more force than hitting ground. The ground is stationary, so there's no velocity, there's no acceleration, stationary object. One thing we noted, because you and I obviously watch a lot of football, if you recall the, uh, the concussion that the Brett Favre had, essentially he was hit, and it wasn't the hit really. If, if this was back, it, it was the frozen field, uh, I believe it was in Chicago, Soldier Field, where they had that, that night game. Yes. And the, the field, actually it was, it was, it was at that, uh, that college there. Um, University of Minnesota. The, the, 
Yes, exactly. University of Minnesota. So that field was like a block of ice, much like the ice that I played on when I was an ice hockey player. So in analyzing that hit, Brett Favre, he, he got hit by a guy, and he fell. And when his head smashed the ground, hitting that extremely rock-hard surface, in my mind, that's what caused the concussion for him. And he had, that was a very severe concussion. In fact, he, couldn't, he could never actually pass a concussion test at any point in the season, and therefore he was never even qualified to return. And his career, you know, his career ended, as you know. But it, I also want to point out that even an elbow to the head, a knee to the head, anything, any jarring substance from another player could, could cause brain trauma and cumulative trauma. Helmet to helmet's thought to be the worst because of the vectors, but also hitting the ground at various. Uh, various angles depending on you know how hard the field is and depending on the velocity uh, that the patient is is moving i say the player is moving so all these factors have to be considered yeah doc now let me ask you something you know sometimes when you see these illustrations visual illustrations is the brain actually moving and 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 being uh kind of dislodged up to the front of the head or the back of the head i mean is the brain actually moving when these guys are making contact with each other Yes, yes. I'm glad you brought that point up. The way I want our listeners to think of the brain, I want them to think of the skull as a fixed object, and the brain is actually suspended in fluid. So it's almost like the brain is suspended in fluid, gelatinous material, and there are multi-levels to protect the brain. So what happens is when there is a force um, in a confined space, there's something called a coup, C-O-U-P, and then there's a contra-coup, C-O-N-T-R-E, and then coup, C-O-U-P. I don't speak a lot of French, as you can tell, but that means there's not only the force that's exerted to the side of the brain, there's also the reverberation force. So there could be a hit to the front part of the brain, and there'll be a reverberating force the back of the brain against the skull, which causes injury not only to the front, but to the back part of the brain. And for instance... A, a, uh, the, the, there are times even where a patient can be tackled where their head isn't physically struck. But just the, the deceleration of them running and being stopped, that causes the brain to essentially be shot back against the skull and the meninges, and that can cause a brain injury without even a physical hit to, to the brain itself. So w- what we learn here is that there is a lot going on. This is a very dynamic process. And as far as quantitating the cumulative hits, we're really at our infancy in being able to do so. But there is a strong recognition among neuroscientists like myself, doctors at Boston University, Dr. Robert Cantu, Dr. Robert Stern, who are actually dissecting the brains of deceased football players and looking at the, the patterns of injury in the brain and again, there are two distinct injuries. One, which looks like Alzheimer's disease with atrophy, space, and protein deposits, amyloid, as well as neurofibrillary tangles, which came as a great surprise. And also, there's, there's the, um, the ALS pattern, where there's basically atrophy of the brain and atrophy of the motor neurons to produce what is called the ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. It regrettably... Our friend Kevin Turner is afflicted with that. Just last weekend, he spoke at the National Concussion Conference in Dallas. And and so, Kevin, it's really bad when when you are fully aware of of what's going on and you have a progressive debilitating motor disease that eventually culminates in respiratory insufficiency, being ventilator-dependent, and eventually uh, succumbing to this. And that is uh, the unfortunate situation of Kevin Turner at present. Hey, Doc, what we're going to do is we're going to have to end this show, but what I want to do is if you if you have access to Kevin, we've got to get him on here because I know Kevin wants to share his story with as many people as he, as he possibly can, and I want to help him do that. But we're going to have to have you back on the show. I appreciate you taking the time out to give all this information that you've given, and I know there's a ton more of what you have to share with us, and, and you're going to do it right here on Voice America Sports with us, and I certainly appreciate it. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Network. Uh, I've had my good friend with me, uh, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And man, this is amazing. I've, I've learned things that I never even knew. But uh, 
I'm enjoying hearing it and I'm enjoying sharing it with the world. As I always say, it's that time, so I got to go. So I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.